Welcome to Ms. Interpreted, her podcast of public relations and strategic communications demystified by Kelly Fletcher and Fletcher Marketing PR. We're building a lifestyle brand that's inspired by the small towns that dot and dotted this coast all the way from Gulf Shores, uh, Alabama to Apalachicola, Big Bend, Cedar Key. It's that small town America at the beach. I used to say Mayberry at the beach until one of my millennial employees pulled me off to the side and said, we don't know what that is. And it kind of, I have to confess, it kind of, I died on the inside. Yeah, I died on the inside a little bit that day, but the point is, is that it's small town America at the beach. That's what the brand represents. And the 30A is just a, a moniker for this connector that brings all of these little tiny Mayberries together into one, you know, stretch of sand. Welcome listeners to the Ms. Interpreted podcast. I'm Kelly Fletcher, CEO of Fletcher Marketing PR, recording from the Florida Panhandle today and channeling the sunshine to wherever you may be listening. And I am so excited to be here on a sunny day. It's been kind of blah the the past couple of days. So some of our listeners may not know, but last year when I made the decision to take our agency to a primarily virtual model, I decided it was a time for scenery, change of scenery. So I sold my house in Knoxville and moved to Northwest Florida to fulfill my 20-year dream of living beach happy. And I travel back to Knoxville seven to 10 days a month or as needed. That is where our company remains headquartered. And I'm here in the panhandle now where everyone has just been so over the top friendly and welcoming. I, I can't even tell you. And that brings me to our guest today because he is the prime example of being friendly and welcoming. Mike Ragsdale, not the Mike Ragsdale who used to be the county mayor in Knoxville, Tennessee. Different Mike Ragsdale. <laughs> as I've far already... as I know, yes. I don't <laughs> remember that part of my life. You don't remember that part no. of your life. He is not the same Mike. He is a celebrity along these big towns along Florida's Gulf Coast known as 30A. In fact, he is the reason these towns are collectively known as 30A. He moved to Santa Rosa Beach and launched 30A.com and developed it into the iconic lifestyle brand it is today. So if you've been seeing those people driving around with 38 stickers and always wondered what the heck that was, I'm interviewing today the gentleman who was responsible about it. And Mike, I must admit, when I, I took a chance and I emailed you and I was like, oh, I'll probably never hear back from this guy. He's, he's famous. And then you replied like right away and you said, sure, I'd love to be on your podcast. So Thank you so much for joining me today. You, you know what that means? That means your assumption about my fame was a little, uh, <laughs> little off, off the mark. I'm not that, uh, I'm not that busy or popular, but I appreciate the kind words. Oh uh, well, thank you for having me in your home too. We're sitting here and we're overlooking the gorgeous bay. So, if you are someone who loves to come to 30A, as so many people that I know are. Tennessee and Atlanta are big markets for visitors to 30A. And those Absolutely. are two cities where we have big listenership and also Nashville. So, you know, if you're on 331 South and you cross the bay, right across the bay, that's where he lives. I won't give you any more details so people don't just no, show up. No, it's all good. It's all good. No, <laughs> it's an open door policy. Open door and open dock policy. Oh, all right. Open door and open dock policy. I remember that. So, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is because I've always been completely mesmerized by how you took this 11.2 mile stretch of road mm -hmm. and created this iconic brand. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the brand and, and its history. So you're originally from Alabama. We'll forgive you for that. Yep, being yep. From <laughs> you can't help where you're born, right? You know? you can't. Well, I was born in North Carolina, but I lived in Tennessee long enough to be a Vol fan. No, I, so. I, I, I love, my parents are still in Alabama and it's an amazing place to grow up. And really gave us access to all the, the great things in Georgia. And, and we, you know, growing up, we didn't have, you know, a budget to vacation per se. So our right. trips were like to Chattanooga, to yeah. Lookout Mountain <laughs> and to Six Flags in Atlanta or to the Grand Ole Opry, you know, so right. we were always kind of three or four hour radius type yeah. family. And so, you know, that whole Tennessee Valley mm -hmm. region is just very special, not only growing up there, but still a special place to go back to. 
It is too. And there's a lot of crossover between the people who live up there and come here and the people who live here at the beach and, and go to the Smoky Mountains and Chattanooga and Nashville and all that. But first of all, you um, had a successful career as an internet pioneer and later in the healthcare IT space, which could not seem further from yeah. like your personality. <laughs> that, and he answered the door barefoot in a beach happy to, <laughs> sure. I just, I, just, I don't see him in, in IT. But so going from that fast paced corporate world to kind of embracing this beach living was, was quite a leap. And I don't know how you feel about it, but it takes quite a bit of discipline to focus on business when you live in one of the most beautiful places in the world and you just really want to wander around outside all day. And so tell us how you've managed to build a business and a lifestyle. And, and I know our listeners would love to know about the journey that brought you here to this moment. Yeah. I mean, ultimately I'm a believer now having been a serial entrepreneur for my entire adult life. I believe that your passion ultimately is going to determine your level of success and your passion for a topic, whether that's video games or surfing or the beach, you know, whatever it is that you love to do is ultimately what you're supposed to do. And ultimately, I think that following your passion is something that I learned early, but then forgot along the way and made some business missteps thinking that it was all about the pursuit of profit or the pursuit of, of business for business sake. And the beach was really accidental. I mean, it was something that had been, I feel like, in my blood my whole life. And yet, I really was probably in seventh or eighth grade before I even saw the beach, much less we were not a family that once a year we went to the beach. You know, we went to the lake, Gunnersville in Alabama, or we went camping in, you know, like I said, Chattanooga or wherever. But the, the beach was always part of my fiber. And so in a lot of ways, this is a fake it until you make it kind of thing, you know, in that I wish I was a laid back, worry free dude. And I've gotten a lot better over the years, but I'm, I'm a bundle of, you know, stress and energy and, and worry. And so a lot of this was coming here to find that peace, you know, really was being burnt out on life, burnt out on the corporate rat race and, and believing there might be a different way to live life. And so we moved here really on a, I won't say a whim, but darn near on a whim and just picked up and moved. Didn't know anyone. We brought our kids down, you know, a month or two before the move and just said, look guys, this is, this is what we're thinking about. What do you think? And it wasn't a hard sell, but that said, it's still a scary thing. It's a scary thing as an adult, much less a child, you know, changing school systems, et cetera. So in hindsight, I think all of us, we have four children we all universally agree is the best thing we ever did. And it's opened my eyes to the fact that a lot of things we're terrified of or that are intimidating or scary ultimately can unlock amazing doors in our lives professionally and personally. And so, you know, for me moving down here, I never intended to start another business. It just happened organically and it happened because it was a perfect combination of passion and skill sets that kind of came together. But I've been very protective about trying to protect that life that I came here to live. So I've, I've been working remotely since the beginning, even though we've had an office at times, I, I don't go to that office. I mean, I might periodically drop in, but you know, now the pandemic has hit and that has made mobile office relationships quite normal. Totally normalized three or, it. Yeah. Three or four years ago. People didn't understand why I didn't want to have meetings or why I didn't want to, you know, have a, an in-person meeting. And it's because I am a, you, you said, you know, bare feet and wearing a t-shirt. Well, I'm wearing a t-shirt because you're here. <laughs> it's like, normally it's bare feet and a bathing suit. And that's my, my go-to attire, you know, especially when the weather's warm. But I think that preserving that authenticity is important to the brand's success and resilience with its audience so I'm, I'm very protective of that. I don't want to corporatize this wonderful thing that we've created as a group. And I want to keep living, most importantly, the life that I want to live. And I think that's something that I'm kind of a preacher about. I'm a preacher about creating your own reality, creating the lifestyle that ultimately is going to drive your happiness. For me, the beach, you know, if you had asked me in high school, and I can't say I was cognizant enough earlier than that to really 
have a clear vision of what I wanted to be when I grew up. But I will say that if you asked me in 11th grade on, if you said, hey, you know, you have all the money in the world you want, you can do anything you want, what does your perfect life look like? And I don't think there's any question from 11th grade on, I would have said, you know, I just want to live down by the beach somewhere. Doesn't have to be a big house. Doesn't have to be fancy. Just want to be somewhere, that, you know, where I can spend a lot of time on the water. I can spend a lot of time laughing and joking with friends. I want to be doing, you know, beach bonfires and hanging out in cool little beach bars. That's been a pretty persistent narrative in my mind since high school. And, you know, it never really occurred to me that you can actually just pick up and go. Like, I mean, I think we're all told that if we kind of loiter around until 65 and we put in our time, and that's because that's the way our parents had to do it, is that you worked 40 years for a company, you got your benefits and you got your, you know, your pension, and then you went to where you wanted to live. Well, I'm a believer now that we've got to change the way people think, you know, you need to move where you want to be now. That's absolutely true. And I was in Knoxville for 23 years and my son is actually the catalyst. He said, mom, I thought when you, you've always said that when I graduated high school that you wanted to go and, and do something different, not career wise, but just location wise. And so I'm a mountain girl. I grew up in the mountains of Western North Carolina. So I've always been obsessed with the beach. Mm -hmm. I think if you grow up in the mountains, you just want to get to the beach. And maybe if you're <laughs> in the beach, you want to get to the mountains. So I just decided, hey, I'm not getting any younger. And the thing is, is that we haven't lost a beat. Our clients are cool about it. My team is cool about it. You know, we're working on or I'm working on um, building out more business down here. But what's happened is kind of what you were talking about is once you figure out where you're happy and where you can live your best life, you get reinvigorated, re-energized, new ideas start to pop up and happen. And so I'm so, so blessed to have been able to just pick up and it went, it was hard. I was in my dream house, you know, yeah. I, but I just figured out oh, it's just a house. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm now believe I subscribe to this theory that there are what I call one percentile places on the planet to live. What that means is it's the most desirable places on the planet to live. And that includes places like 30A, places like Aspen, places like Manhattan, places like it doesn't have to be a city or beach or a natural habitat. It can be a place where there's there's museums and culture and restaurants. So, but there are certain places through a combination of outdoor amenities, through a combination of culture, through a combination of dining options they're the best places in the world to live. And I believe that if you live in that beach one, you're going to wish, you know, man, I wish we had some snow or mountains. If you live in the mountains, you're like, man, I wish we had more restaurants or museums to go to. Right. You live in Manhattan, man, I wish we lived someplace where there was no traffic. and smoke. So what I believe you should do is pick one of those one percentile places to call your home on unapologetically, right? Don't live in the other 99% of places. Pick one of the best places in the world to live, call it your home and then vacation in those other places. Exactly. And don't, the grass is always greener. The snow is always wider. The sand is always wider wherever you are. So just get rid of that and say, you know, you can't be everywhere. Not every place has it all. So pick one that speaks to you and then visit the others. I like what you say about being unapologetic for it too. So if you've never seen a 38 sticker, then they're free. <laughs> you can pick them up anywhere. Mike created this brand or, you know, he, you trademarked the mark because mm -hmm. obviously you mm -hmm. can't trademark 30A. It's a state highway, right? Well, not really. No. So Patagonia is a great example. Patagonia is a mountain range, right? You know, in Argentina, obviously, but I would be willing to bet that a very large percentage of people who wear Patagonia apparel, which is a trademark, you know, have not been to Argentina necessarily. Exactly. Same with Columbia. Columbia brand was started in the Columbia River Valley in Washington State, where that apparel company is still headquartered. Same with A1A, which is a trademark owned by Margaritaville and, and a lot of different. So trademark law and intellectual property law is very different, very strange. So you can trademark, for example, somebody probably has Hotlanta or ATL, as a yeah. trademark, but Atlanta would be difficult because it's a place. A road is not a place. Route 66 is a trademark, for example, but you have different trademark categories. 
So there are software companies that have trade, like say Route 66 trademarked in that category. There are other companies that have Route 66, you know, trademarked say in apparel or whatever. So in the case of 30A, obviously, number one, it's not a place. There, there are four 30As. A lot of people don't realize that there are four just in the panhandle. Not No, in, I didn't know that. Well, that this is another thing is that we're not really promoting tourism along this stretch of 19 miles of, of beach uh, and road front here. The old State Road 30, Florida State Road 30, ran from the Alabama state line all the way to Perry, Florida, which is almost north of Orlando. I mean, it's it's around the Big Bend, but it's a 285-mile road that is mostly Highway 98 today, but it used okay. to be State Road 30. Well, there are at least four places where the road veers off and goes along the beach, and that's the A, the alternate route. Uh-huh. So there's a 30A here. There's actually an old one that's kind of hard to find in, in Bay County, which is Panama City. It's now part of Front Beach Road. And then in Franklin County, which is Apalachicola, Cape San Blas, there's actually two 30As over there. So we don't view it as a come down to Walton County, book your reservations. That's not what we're building. We're building a lifestyle brand that's inspired by the small towns that dot and dotted this coast all the way from Gulf Shores, uh, Alabama to Apalachicola, Big Bend, Cedar Key. It's that small town America at the beach. I used to say Mayberry at the beach until one of my millennial employees pulled me off to the side and said, we don't know what that is. And it kind of, <laughs> I have to confess, I kind of, I died I on the inside. I grew up near Mayberry. Yeah, I died <laughs> on the inside a little bit that day. But the point is, is that it's small town America at the beach. That's what the brand represents. And the 30A is just a, a moniker for this connector brings all of these little tiny Mayberries together into one, you know, stretch of sand. I love that. I had no idea. I Mm -hmm. thought it was really indigenous to just this stretch of 12 beach towns or however many it is, 12 or 16 beach towns. So you originally purchased the 30a.com domain from a company in Texas. Is that right? Yeah. So I was, I moved to the beach. I had no plan, no career. I was, I had had a couple of failed businesses and was just demoralized. I mean, I was just ready for a change. I was just ready to just start over. And, you know, I had pretty significant success early in my career, which was fortunate and unfortunate. I, I, liken it to, you know, I'm not a big sports guy, but let's say you're at your first at bat in the major leagues and you had a home run. You know, and it's like, well, that's going to blow your ego up a little bit. And so it's like, man, that was easy. Let's just keep doing that. And what you don't, you know, really realize is that if you're batting 300, you're a superstar, which means you're going to have seven strikeouts for every three hits. Right. But if you do that, you're still an amazing superstar. But it's when you hit your first home run at bat, when you start to strike out, it's like, man, what am I doing wrong? What am I, you know, maybe I'm not there. as smart as I I've thought I was. There. Yeah, we all have. And, and that's the curse of entrepreneurs. But I think that as we, as I began to get back to what mattered, getting back to my personal passions and all that stuff, I, I think I've got another home run on our hands. And so I'm really decided it's easy for entrepreneurs to get distracted and to chase the latest shiny thing. And so at a certain point, I began to realize there was real traction with this brand, real opportunity. And that's when I kind of doubled down and said, you know, I'm going to focus on this rather than just constantly putting additional pokers in the fire. But I think that, you know, I look at the evolution of this brand over the years. And at one time we were kind of promoting the area, right? You know, when I first went to that company in Texas, 30, nobody called it 30A back then. I mean, it's just, they mm-hmm. didn't. What they called, a lot of people called it Destin, frankly, even though Destin's a county away. And then you had the independent brands, you know, you had Seaside and Rosemary Beach and Sandestin. And so all of those places were promoting their own brand. But because Santa Rosa Beach is unincorporated, right? There is no town here. There's no mayor. There's no main street. There's no police chief. It encompasses a large area. It's a huge area and and it presents opportunities and challenges. Some of the challenges is that, you know, you don't really have the ability to pass certain legislation in the the town because you're talking about a a county. 
a huge county of people and they don't all have the same issues, right? People an hour away in the north part of the county really couldn't care less about some of the issues we've got going on down here and probably vice versa. So as this opportunity started to present itself, I come to the beach, I think I want to be a writer, right? I think I want to be a a novelist or a screenwriter or something. So I thought, you know, I didn't really know what blogging was, but I'm like, you know, I better start blogging. I better start practicing getting these creative wheels turning. And so, of course, when you do that, you have to have a place to put that, those pontifications. (laughs) So that's when I approached this company and I just, I knew the name of the road and I, you know, and so I bought the URL for a a ridiculously small amount of money in the grand scheme of things. But again, keeping in mind, nobody called it that back then. And then I just started blogging. And I started writing about our life here, about the dolphins, about the, the, the things we were discovering, the restaurants we loved. And over time, it just started to get traction. And uh, probably a couple of years into it, somebody stopped me out on the beach one day and said, hey, man, I really like your blog. Oh, thanks. And, and he said, how much would you charge to advertise on there? Or how much do you charge? And I, heck, I didn't know. I was like, I don't know, 50 bucks a month, you know, like you whatever. You weren't even charging no, at all. Well, I didn't have any ads, you know. <laughs> And, but then every time somebody would ask me, I just kept bumping the rate up a little bit and a little bit more. And over time, you know, it kind of grew. And then, and then, then we really started focusing on the brand expansion and and it just comes, it's kind of like you're in the marketing and PR business. It just kind of comes innate. So it wasn't that I set out to do it. It's just, I can't help myself. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, you, you have a degree in communications and a master's in advertising and public relations, right? From the university of Alabama. Yes. So has that helped you? Did that help you when you were thinking about creating a brand and what you learned in school? Or do you kind of feel like you just kind of jumped in and learned it, it yourself? It absolutely helped. I learned how to, in, in public relations, you learn how to write press releases. And of yes. course, the vernacular is journalism. I mean, no, right. you have to write something that is can pass as journalism because you're trying to get someone to insert that article into their empty space that correct so i knew how to write and and my first business was writing humor and and reviews and different things on aol so i had pretty good writing skills and my mother was a journalist my mother was a writer so i had a, a good foundation for all of that but i would say the real experience was in my graduate teaching assistant years i i met a professor uh, named Dr. Gonzenbach, and he was more of an entrepreneur in a lot of ways than the professor. You know, he, so he he taught classes, but he had all these side hustles, and so I became his go-to assistant. And he really taught me entrepreneurship, whether he knew that or not. And then when I graduated, I couldn't get a job. I mean, I, I was sending out resumes everywhere, but my graphic design skills weren't good enough to be competitive. It's very difficult to prove you're a good copywriter, right? And right. and ultimately, I'm an idea guy, and that's very difficult when you're 22 years old. Got to have the money to implement that, the that, ideas, that's right? And so, you know, it was very. I couldn't find a job, and so at some point, I took out a small business loan and bought a computer and just started doing stuff. I started designing Girl Scout newsletters and writing copy for anybody who needed it, and just whatever I could do to pay the bills, and that more than anything that learning to survive that learning to create something out of nothing ultimately served me as well or better than you know the academic studies sure I, that's my story i mean not to turn this interview to me but i think i resonate with you so much because our stories are similar in that i was a single mom i just gotten divorced my son was 7 i was working i went to work in uh, corporate america for a shopping network and i did that for about three years and just like, man, I'm just, I'm not a corporate girl. Yeah. So I talked them into hiring me freelance for a year and I had two other companies that hired me freelance for on a 12 month contracts. And then I just started from, yeah. you know, with, with nothing really with, I remember charging my groceries on the credit card more times than not and growing it to where it was like, Oh, we got enough money to buy another laptop. That's good. We can get real for office furniture. I think there's something to be said for that kind of scrappiness of being an entrepreneur and just going out there and getting it done, which 
brings me to another question. So the name of our podcast is Misinterpreted with a capital PR. And so we like to bring up a myth that we would like to dispel on every podcast. And so I'm going to ask you, what's the most often misinterpreted thing about your brand? Well, I think that it is that it's a tourism play and that we're marketing this area. I would say about six years ago, maybe seven years ago, actually maybe a little longer than that now, I looked at what everybody else was doing. So you've got the beach communities here, right? So you've got Seaside, you've got Rosemary Beach, Alice Beach, Sandestin. All of those guys were here, all right? And they were all spending money to attract people, right? They're all, and still do, you know, and that's not only that, but the events uh, they're hosting, the restaurants they have, all this stuff, everybody, all of them, the rental companies, the real, they're all marketing this area. And on top of that, you have our tourism council, which does a, a great job of that. And they have millions and millions of dollars every year of bed tax money that they invest yes. in, you know, marketing and promotion. So we looked at it and we said, you know, everybody else is doing that. Let's instead not worry about the five days a year or the seven days a year that they can be here. Let's focus on the 360 days that they can't be. So I look at Jimmy Buffett and the Margaritaville model, and I said, you know, he sells the fantasy of the beach. He doesn't sell the reality of the beach, right? He sells the daydream of it. That's right. And when you're in Birmingham, Alabama, stuck in a corporate job, that daydream matters, right? You know, when you're stuck in Des Moines with a mortgage you can't afford or a PTA meeting you don't want to go to, that beach break is important. And that escapism that he provides keeps you sane and keeps you happy. And it's not just Jimmy Buffett. It's, it's Tommy Bahama. It's red stripe beer. It's Corona beer. It's Kenny Chesney. It's right. It's all escapism. And the funny thing is, is once you get here, that escapism isn't really necessary anymore. So as much as I loved Jimmy Buffett, in fact, I, I referenced 11th grade earlier and I happened to go to a concert to see Jimmy Buffett in the amphitheater in Birmingham, knew nothing about him, knew nothing about any of his music and left a fan, right? Like I right. left, it was a, it was a life changing concert experience. Cause I'm like, wow, this is fun. And this is, this is not what I was expecting at all. And over the years, I was that guy. I was that guy who was trying too hard. You know, I was that guy who on casual Friday wore loud Tommy Bahama prints. I was that guy who would go to Bahama breeze on, you know, on, in a busy urban area to get a beach break. I would, I would drink red stripe <laughs> or Corona, right? Nobody, yeah. nobody drinks red stripe because it's a great beer. I'm sure. I mean, it's fine, but nobody drinks it for that reason. They drink it because it transports you to Jamaica, right? right. If you've been there to on your honeymoon or, or you've just fantasized about Corona is the same way. Now, never mind that red stripes brewed in Pennsylvania. I mean, it doesn't matter doesn't to matter. most people. It's that mental escape. So we really began to say, you know, we're not going to pile on and just spend all of our time saying, come down. And, you know, there's plenty of people doing that. The area doesn't need that from us. So instead, we really have tried to bottle, literally in some cases with a beer and wine, we've tried to bottle that feeling you get when you're here. And that, that feeling is important because most people can only come for a few days. And some people, and it's very sad and unfortunate, but certainly even under pandemic circumstances, even worse. But even in a regular year, we get comments from people saying, I haven't been to the beach in, you know, 15 years. I really wish I could afford to get back, you know? And it's like, and that's those moments you realize what we do is important. It's bringing happiness to people. It, even if it's just a slice of happiness, or you mentioned when you opened, you said, uh, you bring in a little sunshine to people. That's what we want to do is we want to bring a little bit of happiness to a day that might otherwise be down. And that happiness can be shared through a dolphin video. It can be shared through a beer that reminds you of the beach. It can be shared through putting on your favorite 30A hat or 30A shirt. That's what we do. It's not tourism. It's a lifestyle. You're bottling and transporting a mindset. That's right. So it's really interesting because that's hard to do. You're selling the intangible. You have physical products, but the physical products are just a means to get people into that mindset of happiness, of beach happy. 
That's right. And, and Beach Happy kind of resonated, I think, but it was an, uh, just another random shirt design we came out with. But obviously, there's a play on Be Happy um, right. there as well. And after it took off and continues to be our bestseller, I realized it's because I told our team, I said, you know, there's, if you had to pick two words in the entire English language that summarize what our brand and what our company is about, it's about the beach and it's about happiness, you know, and there, it, there's, that is the brand recipe. And so I think that the beach happy brand gives us a lot of ability. Now we're opening a beach happy cafe in watercolor in a month or two. And that's the first of hopefully many. And I believe that beach happy has a global opportunity as does 30A. I mean, again, keep in mind, we have 400 stores nationwide that carry 30A apparel and goods now. We have probably 12 or 15 in New Jersey, for example. They're not promoting tourism in Florida. Right. They don't care or know where right. 30A is. In a lot of ways that I think that there's a certain high percentage of people who probably have no idea what North Face means, even though they wear the apparel. They have no idea what that means. People who wear Patagonia apparel or Columbia apparel really don't know or care that it was started in Columbia River Valley or in, you know, that it was inspired by this great mountain range in Argentina. That's not why they connect with the brand. What those people have done is bottle the brand, you know, in a way and carved out their passion and created products and brands around their passion, whether it's conservation or a certain lifestyle. And then people buy into that. They feel it, it's contagious. And then it might inspire people to go visit the origins. But in our case, we have so many of our fans don't even know what 30A is or where it is and don't care. They just don't like care. the fact that it's made from recycled apparel or they like the vibe that it gives off. Well, that brings me to my next point, which is I've been coming here for several times a year for 20 years. And it got to the point where I'd be like, okay, this is my fourth or fifth trip this year and I'm plotting my return. Maybe there's something I need to do about this. Yeah. But, you know, I did not know that your apparel line was made from sustainable materials and recycled plastic, right? Yes. So I was actually in a store in Sandestin mm -hmm. and saw it mm -hmm. and I bought a bunch of it because I, I was like, this is so cool. But I did not know that that was part of the part of your mission and the sustainability aspect of it. So how did that come about? So my partner, Joanne Roboto, has been in the apparel business for 30, almost 40 years. And she lives in Sandestin. She had a similar story where she was from Boston. She crossed the bridge in Destin. She's a fly fisher and a golfer. And when she saw that water, she just said, I'm done. And about two months later, she was living here full time and has never left since. Travels all over the world, but this is home to her. So we knew we wanted to do a 30A. We were selling 30A shirts, but essentially they were just shirts on other people's products. You know, you take the, you, you buy a comfort colors or whatever brand, yes. and then you put your logo on it. We knew we ultimately wanted to do something. Comfort colors are not particularly environmentally friendly the way they're dyed and made. And we also felt that, you know, a beach shirt should be super soft and, you know, not a very tight neckline. So we had our vision of what we wanted a beach t-shirt to be, and it wasn't what was out there. And we also wanted to do some good and while hopefully creating a successful business. So Joanne really began to research what we could do that was unique. And we ultimately decided that making shirts from recycled plastic water bottles was the, an opportunity for us to kind of tie it back to what we're all about, which is the beach and the ocean and keeping this, these amazing natural habitats pristine for future generations. So for anyone who immediately says, hmm, plastic, I don't know if I, you know, well, anything with the word poly in it, polyester, I mean, anything is, that's plastic. So the sheets you sleep on, Lululemon, Nike, any athletic wear is all plastic. It's virgin plastic, though. It's new mm -hmm. plastic being introduced into the system. We all know that, you know, plastic can take a thousand years or more to completely deteriorate. So every piece of plastic ever made is still on the planet somewhere here. And it continues to, to grow at an alarming rate. So we're taking plastic out of the system. And essentially what they do is they collect water bottles from landfills, mostly in the southeast. And those water bottles are then cleaned and then spun into, you know, a sinewy yarn. 
and then mixed with recycled cotton. And so we buy that yarn and then we sew it together into our own 30A products, including, you know, t-shirts, joggers, hoodies, sweatshirts, all, all sorts of styles. And then we print on those with water-based inks rather than the old screen printing, which was not good, very chemically driven. So now the product line kind of stands on its own. Again, it's not about, I went to Destin and bought a t-shirt. It's about, you know, the lifestyle. So a lot of our designs aren't about promoting, you know, tourism. They're just about promoting that, that happiness and that sustainability and that coastal lifestyle that we've all grown to love. And the designs are really cool, but I'd like to put in a request for more V-necks. I, I, look, as a dude, I've even been <laughs> arguing for V-necks for a while. So, uh, but yes, we used to have a V-neck a long time ago, but not on our apparel, on another one. And it did not sell particularly well to the males. I think I just don't like stuff around my neck. So I'm always tugging at my shirt. So I want the V-necks, but I do, I, I agree with you. And we are taking requests, by the way. Yeah. Okay, great. Because I had a friend in from Atlanta and we were shopping around this weekend and everywhere we went, she was like, why can't they just put some V-necks on these t-shirts? I want a V-neck t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit about how you may or may have used influencer marketing to grow the brand, whether that be just organically influencers promoted your brand, or if you've had strategic influencer marketing programs. So in, in, in our agency, we employ that strategy quite often where we align influencers with the right social media following. It doesn't have to be a huge one. You know, Mm -hmm. now nano and micro influencers are the big thing. Would rather have less followers who are more engaged. Is that a tactic that you um, use to, to promote your brand extensions? No, not as effectively as we should. Yes and no. I can't say no. We dabbled in it at times over the years and never could find our, never could find the right, mechanism. There are plenty of influencers out there, but ultimately we're such a strange brand in that we've got everything from beer to electric bikes, to coffee, to stores, to apparel, the magazine. magazine. Thank you. And we've got so many things like that, that it's like, okay, how do you get an ROI? How do you measure that? Okay. So the easy, obvious one is apparel, right? And the hard goods like Tervis tumblers and things. And that said, you know, you have to sell a certain amount. Let's say an influencer wants X number of dollars per post. Well, I mean, it's got to turn pretty quickly into tangible sales. Right. And if it doesn't, it's kind of a a loss. So in some ways, we realized, wait a minute, we're an influencer. Now, we didn't really think of ourselves that way, but it's, wait a minute, we're an influencer with 1.5 million social media followers, you know? And so with the magazine... And some of the new video series that we're working on, we really kind of turned the table a little bit and said, you know, why are we trying to find awareness is not our issue, right? I mean, we've got, you know, we've got that covered. Our issue is, you know, we have so many different pockets of products. How do we prioritize those? How do we make sure everybody, all of the ones are getting the, the right attention they need? So ours we really have turned our attention a little bit more to how do we position ourselves as an influencer and say, Hey, if you like, you know, the beach, you're probably going to like, here's a search engine to book your travel on, or here are the the best flip flops or here's the best grill. Right? So that said on the apparel side, we have had some successful partnerships. We have a marketing partner who works with us on the apparel and the e-commerce side and Callie Danielle, for example, We've had some people who we've started working with on photo shoots and next thing you know, it turns into larger collaboration. So they're doing a much better job at it than we ever did. And they're having certainly having success launching designs that they partner with certain influencers and those influencers come up with two or three designs and they're launched as part of a campaign and then they're pushing it to their audience, et cetera. But we never really were able to dial that in quite as much as I would like to have. Right. So with your Beach Happy Cafe, where in watercolor is that going in? So literally in the main intersection, when you come across Western Lake and you come to that stop sign, 
You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, where anymore? the Lily Pulitzer store? Well, there was, was a, a lot of Lily Pulitzer. Yeah, it was a boutique. I'm not sure what, but it's yes. right there on, directly on 38 on the right exactly side. I know exactly where that yep. is. And so you have plans to extend that out to other markets. Is it going to be a breakfast lunch place? Like what can we expect from that? Yeah, so it's it's pretty exciting because I have to confess, and this is the first time I've told anyone this publicly, but Breaking you know, news. We, yeah, exactly. We were I was really wanting to to, to do a retail space. And we have our other retail stores up and down 30A, but I just, I saw, I just have always believed that that's a premium location. And I also felt like that was an underutilized location on that South side. It was almost invisible because right. when we moved here, I was out, you know, riding and fishing on the dock and Angela was going stir crazy because she didn't know anybody here. So she went to work at the fitness center. And so she worked for at watercolor fitness for years, mm-hmm. but that, that little row has always been largely invisible. I never think about it as a destination. So when I was looking for retail, but then when we spoke to our friends at St. Joe about it, they said, you know, we've got to, we've got to have a cafe there. We're really focused on that. And I said, well, what if we did a hybrid? And fortunately, one of my board members ran 40 tropical smoothies in the state of Arkansas and his partner founded Tropical Smoothie. So Tropical Smoothie Cafe started in Destin, Florida, and now has 900 locations nationwide. Never knew that. That's right. So Eric Jenrich and Chris Cromelis, my partners, they are leading that charge. So what they're doing is they're letting me kind of help create the, the look and feel, the vibe, the brand integrity, but they're operators. I mean, they operate 900 you know, they know tropicals. how to run a food they run, business. They know how to, and they know how to run that type of grab and go. So what you're going to have is a mix. Uh, it's going to be the 30A experience. I mean, there's going to be 30A radio playing. There's going to be the 30A beer and the 30A wine and the retail, all sorts of cool things. But I would say that we're partnered with coffee, with Amavita Coffee, who's well known in this region. And they I love Amavita. They, and they produce our 30A blends of coffee. Yes. So we're working with Dan Bailey and his team uh, on training, on the right equipment, et cetera, to make sure we're delivering great coffee. We've partnered with GS Gelato, an immigrant family out of Fort Walton, came here 30 years ago and started the first gelato manufacturing place in the U.S. So their gelato is unbelievably good. And it's a great story. It's an authentic story. And the gelato we'll be serving there is just going to be wildly popular, I can tell you. And then because of Chris and Eric's background, we're going to have some healthy smoothies. We're going to have a lot of paninis and wraps and things that you can grab and go. Of course, we're going to be serving the Grayton 30A Beach Blondale, the 30A IPA. We're going to be serving the new 30A wines uh, that have been curated by Chan of Wine World, Chan Cox of Wine World. So we're kind of bringing all of these things into this cafe-like experience where you can get coffee in the morning, you can get a sandwich or wrap. You can get a growl or a beer. You can get some gelato or a, a glass of wine. And the idea is, you know, so many people walk through that intersection on their way to and from the beach. So if you're going to the beach, you get a growler of draft beer. You get a growler of 38 Beach Blondale. You grab some some wraps and you head down to the beach for the day. On the way back, you're like, hey, we need some coffee for in the morning. We're going to pick up a bag of that and we're going to get a pint of gelato and go back to the condo. So the idea is it will be a place you can hang out for sure, but it's also a place that's going to be really ripe for just coming in very quickly, grabbing something and going back. And everything you need. Do you have 30A sunscreen yet? We do. We do. We have, so we have three 30A skincare products. We have a 30A sunscreen, all marine and reef friendly. We have 30A aloe vera skincare for if you overdo it, which we all often do. And then we also have uh, a daily moisturizer. And those are all produced by a, a local company called 30A Soul. They're, they're actually, they have a pop-up going right now in downtown Seaside. So uh, if you oh, see a little I'll kiosk out there out. in front of uh, 45 Central, you'll see them out there and they're they're selling the 30 I did see them. Yep. I did see them, yep. but I just kind of Keith walked right guys. past because I was yep. like, no, I don't think I need that. You yep. know how it is. But yep. So... You talk about all these things, and yet when we started the conversation, one of the first things you talked about was work-life balance. Mm-hmm. So you have your hands and lots of irons and lots of fires. So what is your secret for staying focused on work-life balance? You know, I 
struggle with it. I'm kind of a compulsive person, but I'm also intrinsically lazy, you know, so, so, <laughs> so it, 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 well, it, it's that I want, I, again, fake it till you make it. You know, I want to be that beach bum without a care in the world. But what I found is that I work better in an unrestrained environment where I don't have to go. I hate having to be somewhere at a certain time. Like, Amen. you know, I Amen, brother. stand it and always have. And I think that for me, the, the secret has been, I work pretty much seven days a week, 365 days a year. I don't have an off day. It's very difficult for me to have an off day because I just don't know how to, right? Like I'm so addicted to being, you know, connected to all of these things we're doing that I have a hard time putting it down. But that's not to say I live a workaholic life. I essentially take many vacations throughout the day, right? And so because I'm not, some people have to compress their work life into that eight hours, five days a week. I stretch it out, you know? So when I wake up in the morning, let's say I get up at 6.30, you know, before the first cup of coffee's put on, I'm already working, right? Like I've opened right. up my laptop, I'm checking out to see what's happened overnight. And, you know, sit there and, and start drinking my coffee. Next thing you know, I move over to the kitchen counter and that's where I'll stay on and off. But let's say it's a beautiful day like it is today and, and I'm just feeling like I want to go for a paddle. Well, I'll just walk outside and go for a paddle. Or if I want to go jet skiing or if I want to go lay out by the pool. And, and what I found is actually I have to smoke a cigar or something because I'll get compulsive and I'll want to come back inside. <laughs> the cigar forces me to sit outside, right? Yeah, for about 40 yeah. minutes. So it's not the healthiest, uh, maybe physically, but mentally it's important because it forces me to sit outside. It forces me to listen to music. It forces me to, to go for a paddle or a swim and not let me you know, feel guilty about not it. let me feel guilty about it. That's right. So, so, and then, you know, at night it is a challenge. And I think I feel for a lot of people who are experiencing it for this for the first time because of the pandemic, you know, it is a challenge because around six o'clock, my wife will finally say, Hey Mike, time to put it down. I'm going to pour you a glass of wine, you know, and then I move from, I move six feet from the kitchen counter to the couch <laughs> You know, so, so no I don't commuting have, time. I don't have that commute. I don't. So because I'm not wasting time on commutes and meetings and all this stuff, I'm a pretty efficient. Like I get a lot of work done in a short period of time because I'm not. I'm unencumbered by meetings. I'm unencumbered by an office requirements and HR and all these things. You know, so I can take vacations liberally throughout the day, and. By the way, my work is also amazingly fun, you know, so when we go out and do a photo shoot on the beach or we're doing magazine feature articles, I mean, it doesn't really feel like working a lot of time, Right. but I love to travel and Angel and I, that's our real passion. And you've been to over 50 countries. I read. That's right. Yep. And, and, you know, feel like I'm getting behind a little bit schedule. So we're, we're because of the pandemic and, and life, but, you know, really eager to get back out there and to keep, you know, exploring. And that's another thing that because of the way we've architected the business, because of the way it was designed and conceived and most importantly protected, because I made a few missteps. And next thing you know, I had all these obligations and I had a meeting, I had an office where I was expected to have meetings and I had employees that needed, you know, mentoring. And now we've really dialed it in to where, you know, I can truly do this job from anywhere. And so like in the fall, for example, even though we couldn't travel internationally as easily, we got an RV and we just went out West. And so for a, a few months, we were just in Montana and Wyoming and Utah and just boondocking. And as long as I can get a signal, and as long as right. I can, I can get my laptop on somewhere, I can do my job. I, that's the way I've been doing it since I moved here, you yeah. know? So it's, so in terms of the, the life balance, it is remembering why I came here and also giving myself guilt-free permission to say, you know what? I'm going to go out on the jet ski and just, I've got a, a call at two o'clock. I'm going to take the jet ski out in the middle of the bay and just kill the engine. And it's so funny because pre pandemic, I could tell everybody was in their offices and they didn't realize I'm just laying, you know, on my back <laughs> on a jet ski, drifting, <laughs> you know, drifting and with my earbuds in. But 
That said, now the pandemic has enlightened everybody that life doesn't have to be the way our parents were taught that it had to be, you know, and, and you don't have, not every job magically requires 40 hours a week. Not every job magically starts at 9 a.m. and ends at 5 p.m. You really can live the life you want to live. You just have to. And, and I think that the pandemic super accelerated that for a lot of us and a lot of people. And I think now the genie doesn't go back in the bottle. You know, it's. It, I don't think it will either. No. I mean, I, my employees love the fact that they get about 10 hours of their life back from right. not having to get up, dress up wear high heels, drive into work. I mean, there's just so much there that well, time just that the you get back. Alone, the commute alone is huge for most people. But then really, let's be honest. I mean, the amount of work that gets done, there's a lot of distractions at work. There, there are. are meetings, there are water cooler conversations, there are smoke lunches. breaks, there are lunches, <laughs> there are employee powwows. All of that stuff, it's all fine for culture purposes, but for productivity purposes, it's not the best environment in the world. You know, I've often told my employees, I don't care how many hours you work. I'm just, I'm going to just get stuff done. Just be a producer. And it's pretty obvious if you're not a producer, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I don't really care whether you work 40 hours. I don't care if you work 60 or six, you know, as long as you're producing results, what do I care? Right. So I think we're, that's been my mantra for the last, you know, 15 years, but I think now it just super accelerated because of the pandemic. And now the great thing is truly I can go somewhere and have a zoom meeting with someone and it doesn't seem odd. Now it just seems like it's odd to have a meeting, <laughs> you know, whereas, whereas what? we have to get together in person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that means bathing and putting on those flip flops and a shirt, you know, so like I, I've been training for the pandemic my whole life. I didn't realize it. <laughs> well, I'm still adjusting because I, I dressed to the nines for years. Yep. You know, my wardrobe was, I had a very expensive, amazing wardrobe, and now I can't figure out what the heck to wear. Right. Like I put on a little dress today and wedge heels and I feel overdressed. Yeah. So yeah, that's okay. Well, like I said, it's, but it's also whatever makes you happy personally. You know, it there's is, a difference between is. doing it because it makes you feel good and doing it out of sense of obligation. You yeah, know? for sure. Well, it's been a pleasure. Check one off my bucket list because you're on my my fanboy list. Oh, that's so awesome. Well, thank now you. Now, if I run into you in a restaurant, I'll be able to say, hey, hey Absolutely. Mike. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's an honor, uh, honor to be here for sure. Thank you. And I just want to say to our listeners, I've been getting a lot of like Facebook PMs and text messages of people who are coming down and asking me questions. And that's fine. Bring it on. I just want to tell you all to... PM me on LinkedIn and I'll be happy to help with recommendations. It's it's the way we do things down here, yep. right, Mike? So, That's right. And to our listeners, don't forget to follow the Misinterpreted Podcast and social media. We will respond to your questions and comments, so please post them using the hashtag misinterpreted and that's hashtag ms interpreted and for visibility's sake don't forget to capitalize the pr also don't forget to check out 30a.com and 30a radio you can follow me on twitter at katie fletcher as well as at fletcher pr thanks to our sound engineer chris hill of knoxville based HumblePod at humblepod.com and until next time stay beach happy Thanks for joining us on Misinterpreted, Public Relations Demystified. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at FletcherMarketingPR.com and on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next time.